Okay, hello everybody and welcome to the unofficial Elder Scrolls podcast brought to you by the USP.net. I'm your host Pylon and tonight we're kicking off our inaugural episode with a large crew, we've got a few of us on here, talking about what we know and what we're speculating about the upcoming chapter for Elder Scrolls Online. So without further ado, I'm going to go through our list here and introduce everybody. So directly beside me, I've got Alara, and can you please tell everybody what you do with UESP? A little bit of everything, really. I edit the wiki, I'm on the Discord, social media. Kind of the basically, all of it. basically everything, moderating whatever you can. And then yep. beside Alara, we've got Baratron. Can you give us a little intro to what you do? Um, well, my primary role is Guildmaster of the uh, UESP Guild on the PCNA server. Mm. So I'm here to talk about uh, ESO gameplay stuff, and I'm also a Discord moderator, and I do some wiki editing because it's sort of essential, really. <laughs> awesome. I'm going to try my best to not call him Cree Havoc for the rest of the show. And Cry Havoc, we got up there next. You can see his face there. Yeah. Hi, guys. So uh, I help out in the social scene. Uh, usually you'll find me moderating on the Discord, but I also help out with other projects. And sometimes I edit on the wiki as well because it's oddly addicting once you get into it. <laughs> Thanks. And then we've got a couple call in guests who couldn't get any video today. So we've got commonly known as TJ Thalmor Justiciar. Hello, I'm um, a data miner on the Discord. And so much more. And, also, uh, and so, so much and more. Yes. <laughs> we can thank TJ for the majority of our memes, I feel like. Um, and last but certainly not least, AKB. Can you give us a little brief rundown of all of the things that you do? I am AKB. I've been with the UESBs for... I want to say nine years now, uh, officially. I've an administrator of the wiki, the forums, our blog. I also run our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and I'm the founder of our Discord channel. And I'm also running our Twitch, but that's a much less often task because... <laughs> This is our see, first podcast. You can see from the number of times we've streamed, I think we've got like, what, two videos on there already? But hopefully we'll change that and get a little few more things working on here coming in the future. So I've got some ideas of things we can do to get that up and running a bit more. So yeah, that's everybody here. Um, actually, funny story I just thought of as the top of my head. I was looking through all my old books while I was doing some cleaning, and I found my old Morrowind Prophecy Strategy Guide, if you guys remember that thing. And when I was opening it up yep. to flip through it, I opened it up and out falls a printed from it with the perforated printer uh, paper, a printout from the UASP.net from when I originally played it in what, 2001 <laughs> or something like that. So I, was, I found that paper. I got to grab it again because I was laughing really hard. <laughs> nice. It's like, can't believe how long this website's been around, but it's been awesome. Oh, we should show off our t-shirts as well. Oh yeah. Who's got some sweet Elder Scrolls related t-shirts here? Yeah, uh, have our UESP ones. <laughs> I don't have a UESP one, so I wore my Daggerfall Covenant one, which is funny because that's the only uh, faction I actually don't have, or only alliance I don't have any characters on right now. <laughs> Everybody's on AD or the Evenheart Pact. So, elephant in the room. 
there's been a lot of talk and a lot of teasing from the Zenimox media team. And first of all, I think they've been doing an awesome job at teasing the announcements coming out. I've been so much more hyped, I feel like, than anything. And even Morrowind, I remember, bro, I was incredibly hyped for because of all the nostalgia that it brought. Whereas this one is just like not knowing, kind of knowing, trying to figure things out. So first off, as a point of clarification, just want to tell everybody that we don't really know much more that's going on. There's been a lot of leaks. We haven't verified a lot of them, so we're just trying to figure it out. We know basically as much as other people. TJ's done a little bit of extra data mining, so we have some insight into things, but everything we're talking about is just pure speculation at this point. We don't really have a lot of hard data to go on. We don't know for sure. Some of the leaks, we don't even know if they're real, to be honest. I still have a conspiracy theory that some of the leaks are to throw us all off. Everybody seems to disagree with me on that one, but this is, I'm sticking with this and I'll throw that prediction in at the end of the episode and you guys are going to hear my wild speculation. But here's the question. What do we know so far? Maybe I'll talk to TJ first. If you can kind of go through a couple of the things that you know that are the 100% know to be true. Uh, sure. Um, so, we know that Abnor Tharn is going to be involved from the uh, teaser Desser that we were, that um, was teased on t uh, Twitter. Yeah, so the, if, if people aren't aware of that, there was a tweet sent out, but I believe the first one that came out was to Classy Katie. Is that correct, everybody? Fact yeah. check me as we go yeah, on yes. this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she sent out a tweet saying that something showed up in her mail and i'll read a little transcript of what the letter said here it says adventurers i have followed your progress with interest and deemed you worthy of rendering assistance knowledge has come into my possession that will help and me end the misguided three banners war and restore peace to tamriel you shall accompany me be ready to answer my summons and answer it quickly i hate to be kept waiting high chancellor abner tharn so that was the first kind of, I think everybody on the UESP Discord that day kind of just like threw up their arms and were like, whoa, what is going on? I can't believe this. Uh, that was really exciting, I think, for a lot of us. Um, out of that, uh, we gained a little bit. And there was also something else included with it. Can you, maybe Lara, can you speak to the other thing that we saw that was included with that letter? So it um, seems like everyone who got this letter got a tablet. Not sure what it's made out of, but it has um, some glyphs on it and uh, the um, head of a dragon, and it's split in half. And we also saw this in the trailer that's coming up, and they've called it a Wrathstone, if I remember correctly. So this is going to be somehow involved in this upcoming chapter. Yes, yeah, so that actually brings us to the next point of the things that we've seen for sure at this point. There's been a very small teaser trailer. Beartron, have you got a chance to go over and pour over that trailer yet? Yeah, it's seven seconds. It's seven seconds, but it's <laughs> looping it's seven, seven seconds. seconds. <laughs> so you see Abnathan, and he has that uh, Rothstone, and he's doing something with it, and orange uh, kind of magic comes out of it. And there's also a Khajiit <laughs> watching him, uh, who looks rather concerned and about it <laughs> okay so i do have a question on this and it's excuse my ignorance on this as i will fully admit that i am not the biggest lore expert in the world but maybe either kree or akv 
can tell me this. How do we know that that was Abner Thurn? Because I didn't see anybody's face. I just saw a sleeve and somebody reaching down with some tablets and going boom. Well, it was actually if uh, I think it was the Twitch stream. It was actually a wider resolution, so you could only see Abnathan in the corner on the actual Twitch stream and not the Twitter uh. post. So if you go and watch the rewind on the Twitch stream, you'll see Abnathan, and he um, he's holding his iconic staff as well because it's a crescent staff. And uh, some of you might remember that as well from the main story when you came across him as part of the Five Companions. Interesting. So AKB, have you had a chance to kind of pour over all this information yet? Or are you still processing? Or I mean, I've gone over it. It's mostly new to me, though. I've never been the biggest ESO player of our group. So what I do know is that it's Abner Thurn. Uh, I've seen pictures of him. Uh, and I even have tweeted that uh, p- picture out. And I've had, uh, well, actually, that was actually on Tumblr, where they <laughs> just straight up responded to it saying, uh, oh, hey, like, I asked, what is Abner Thurn's new plan? And they just straight up said, hey, we'll find out soon. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty close to a clarification there, if I've ever seen one. So... I imagine, like AKB, some people might not be huge ESO players here. So, can TJ, can you give us a brief overview of who Abdurtharn is and why it's important that he's sending out a message saying he's going to stop the war? Like, what does this guy think he is? Well, Abdurtharn, he is the Grand Chancellor and head of the uh, Elder Council, Elder Council of the Imperial City. Uh, he's the Overlord of Nibbane and. Um, he mostly he served mostly as advisor to various kings and emperors of Tamriel. Uh, most recently in ESO, he was in, it was one of the five companions, and he was involved in the main quest. And after the main quest happened, uh, he went back he went back to uh, Cyrodiil or Nibbane with the amulet of kings, and he hasn't been seen since. But suddenly he's come back, and he says, "I found I found something that will help me help me." Uh, help me win over the, the Three Banners War. So it's all very mis- mysterious, really. Yeah, so the Three Banners it's... War 2, kind of as a brief explanation, that's the main focus of the PvP content in ESO. Is that correct? Yes. That's kind uh, yeah. of, you've got eight, the Almeri Dominion, the Even Heart Pack, and the Daggerfall Covenant all fighting to take over Sierra Dell, which is Abnertharn's home, so that makes sense. He'd want to end that war and stop kind of the devastation of his people getting hit by this kind of thing. So it's interesting. I I have found it interesting that they brought that up specifically in that letter because that, that to me makes me think that there might be some kind of PVP impact to this and maybe we're going to see some changes in Cyrodiil going forward, which I think a lot of the PVP community would be very excited to see because it sounds like things get a little bit stale there and a lot of people want to see something new. Anybody else have any thoughts on why the Three Banner War would be mentioned so much? I have heard some speculation from fans and players that they're hoping that there's going to become a PvE version of Cyrodiil. Because obviously those of us who are fans of Elder Scrolls for Oblivion, um, you get to Cyrodiil and you can't actually, you can't really enjoy it in quite the same way because because of the risk of being killed. I myself think that that's um, wild speculation. I don't think that's going to be the case. 
Yeah, I feel like that's a little bit of wishful thinking from all the <laughs> PvE players like myself. I will, I'm happy to go in and do PvP, and then I get there and just die and die and die and die. Because it's, <laughs> it's never something I've invested too much time in, which is kind of a shame because I know a lot of us really want to go and do uh, Imperial City, but it's so hard to get it done if you don't want to do PvP. So that's something interesting. I would be interested to see if there was a PvE Cyrodiil, but I think I think you're right. I think that one's one of the unlikely predictions for what's coming up in the new the next year so there's a few other things too that we have ideas about but we don't actually have full clarification on uh the biggest one i think that we actually have kind of a talking point on and also for anybody watching the stream right now we're going heavy spoiler time so if you don't want to be spoiled about anything eso related (laughs) We'll miss you. Come back sometime. We'll, we'll we'll save a spot for you here. You don't have to feel bad. But yeah, we're going to be going into full spoiler territory. So nothing's off limits at this point. There has been a few leaks. There has been a few things that the Russian data uh, mining team at the elderscrolls.net. Is that correct, the website? Yeah. Yeah, the elderscrolls.net. I wanted to make sure crediting the right people. They've had some non-confirmed information that they've found in there. The one thing we do know, though, is that at the end of the Twitch stream, they said, come tune in to find out about the season of the dragon. That immediately, I feel like, brought people back to Skyrim. Uh, I know I I specifically, I hear dragons, I think Skyrim, but maybe that's not the case. Um, Cry, do you have any ideas about what the season of the dragon might mean? Um, Well... If you've played through Somerset, you knew that that was the conclusion of the Daedric Triad story arc. So I have a feeling that this season of the dragon is uh, going to be a season which lasts uh, the whole year, all four chapters, uh, all four quarters, sorry. Um, and not quite certain on if we're going to get sort of one chapter, one story DLC or two story DLCs. Uh, I think it was Matt Firewall who mentioned in an interview last year that they were quite happy with the cadence of going one chapter, one story DLC, and two dungeon packs. Um, whether they stick with that, though, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, I definitely think that this season of Dragon is going to be one year focused on a new story arc before we, before next year, possibly bringing in another story arc after that. Yeah, so I think a lot of people are thinking here that we'd have the we'll have the four kind of DLCs, and we did see a leak saying there'll be the story will be told over four DLCs. We don't know if that's accurate or not, or if that's a somebody misled it with something else, or it was a mixed up translation that could just say that there will be four DLCs this year for all we know. But if it is actually the story taking place over four DLCs, that's kind of exciting because we haven't really had any experience in the past where the story has continued over the DLCs. Is that correct? They've kind of been the, there's been the chapter is added to the main story. And then we have uh, individual stories that get told throughout like Wolf Hunter and through the bones of the uh, bones of the dragon, dragon bone. Am I forgetting the name yeah, of the dragon? We have their individual stories. So what Beartron, what kind of do you think you would see if in your ideal world, how will the DLCs kind of flow this year? There's two, in my ideal world, it would be, it would be four chapters and I'm not joking. I mean, actual, actual chapters the size of uh, Morrowind or, or, or Somerset. But I mean, I, I would say the two possibilities are either, you know, first quarter is a dungeon DLC, second quarter is a chapter, 
third quarter is another story DLC, like how Clockwork City followed on from Morrowind, um, yeah. same sort of idea. Uh, and then the fourth quarter would be a dungeon DLC, or it could be, you know, first quarter story, second quarter chapter, third quarter dungeon, fourth quarter another story. It's, it's hard to say. Whatever, I do hope that the dungeon DLCs are as full of lore as Dragon Bones. Yeah. Dragon Bones, there was an awful lot of story, an awful lot of lore, lots and lots of books and notes in there. Mm-hmm. So it was worth uh, dragging yourself through those, even if you're not a very not a very uh, skillful player. Yeah, well, and certainly the- we in the UESP Guild do do lore runs for people who need one of the really things I liked about Dragon Bones too is I can't remember which one it was. It wasn't a scale caller. It was the other one. What's the name of that dungeon off the top of my head? I'm blanking here. Fangler. Fanglair. Yeah. The nice thing with Fanglair is it kind of it slowed you down. I felt a lot of the time when you were it was hard to rush through it because you had to wait for some of the story to progress. So it gave me a lot more chances to kind of figure out what was going on, even though my group was trying to rush through as quickly as we could the first time I went through it, which was really nice. Mm-hmm. It kind of like, I hope they do that going forward. Like, I know a lot of the hardcore Dungeoners don't like that kind of thing, whereas you have to stop and wait for story to progress and then they can continue on. But for if they are going to be continuing the story across four DLCs, I'd love to see more like Dragon Bones where they're kind of like force you to slow down, wait for something to happen, and the mechanics kind of play into the story really well. The necromancers in Fanglair are hilarious oh, speaking if of you necromancers. actually wait listen to them yeah no it's there's a lot of extra flavor in there too anybody else have any thoughts on what they would like to see out of kind of the progression of dlcs this year i don't want any more dungeon dlcs <laughs> i'm just gonna say it i have a yeah, th- I think, prefer story ones as well i think dungeon Dungeons are okay as long as they're included as part of zones, like uh, base game zones. So I think what I would really like to see is kind of a switch from, and this is again, this is pie in the sky, this is pylon gets whatever wish he wants, a shift away a little bit from dungeon, story, dungeon, or even like system, dungeon, story, dungeon, and they make a few smaller zones that have some questing abilities that end with a dungeon at the end. So you get three story and dungeon zones. Scale back the size for maybe not make it as big as Merkmire, but you could have a zone that's basically just one quest area, like a like a quarter of Merkmire that ends in a dungeon. So it's like at the end you're like, "Oh, well we got to go fight this big boss, who would have thunk it?" And then going forward that way cuz that kind of breaks it up a little bit for the people that are like oh, well, I don't really care about getting Wolf Hunter because I'm not just into dungeons. It gives you more of that story. It gives people a lot more things to get invested in so that they're more likely to buy that DLC instead of just skipping every other one because they're not really interested in story. One more thing to mention. Sorry, I forgot to, got to put this in documents. So. Uh, trials. Yes. So far, there have been a couple of mini trials. We've had uh, Asylum Sanctuary. Sanctorium or Sanctorium. I, I never quite remember how the second part of that goes. But anyway, we've had Asylum and we've had Cloudress, which have been short mini trials that are just bosses. Um, we're due for another full-length 12-player trial that yeah. has story and takes, uh, you know, average <laughs> average groups about an hour. So we're due, we're due for, for one. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know whether to expect it with the chapter or with, with the story DLC. It's hard to know. 
Yeah, it's really hard to know. But the one thing we can kind of, I think everybody knows and can agree on is that there will likely be a chapter coming. I think if they were to switch up a chapter coming yes. at this point, everybody's minds would be blown. And if it was just, hey, instead of a chapter, it's four DLCs, everyone would. Four dungeon DLCs. Yeah, four dungeon <laughs> DLCs. No more. The story. And they're even harder than the hardest ones. It's like basically the normal are harder than SCP Vet. That'd be awesome. Everybody would be super happy about that. Um, so what do you guys know? Maybe, I don't know who wants to take a crack at this one about the upcoming chapters. Well, Um, they've been hinting that this next one will take place in elsewhere with the whole cats out of the bag announcement and obviously the Khajiit in the trailer and the background of the, uh, like announcements, um, it's show sand, which again <laughs> elsewhere. So, yeah, it, it could pretty be sure that at least it'll kind of take there, to take place there. Yeah, so I think everyone's kind of on the same page that we're going to elsewhere. You'll notice a uh, huge shout out to Fio 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 from the Discord for coming up with the incredible graphics for the stream tonight. You'll notice where that's kind of placed uh, on the map there. If you're looking above me, is elsewhere. We. Elsewhere is most likely what we're going for. I think a lot of this, even before any of the kind of leaks came out or any of the ideas of what was coming out, everybody was kind of expecting it to be either be the Reach or Elsewhere. I think those were the kind of the two up on the table for most people without looking at the data mining. Uh, But I know TJ did a little bit of data mining, even I think it was almost a year ago now. It's been so long ago. TJ, can you talk about a little, some of the things you did find in the data mining about Elsewhere? So um, last year we found some uh, file names that had, they were elsewhere zone uh, file names with um, foliage and trees and stuff. And we also found a Bandari uh, crown crate, which is a elsewhere trading group. Um, So that kind of pointed towards having an elsewhere DLC as in zone DLC in the future. Uh, But we didn't know, we didn't know if it was a chapter or not. Yeah, I think the scale of it was probably one of the things we didn't know when you kind of see that. Or even like it could just be one of the dungeon DLCs and they just wanted to put crown crates around it, but then they built assets for the dungeon. So we didn't really have any verification, but I think everybody, as we got closer to the chapter, trying to figure out what would be the things that we would see, what would be going on elsewhere is what kept coming up uh, at least that i saw ever since somerset came out and be like okay well we're probably going to elsewhere raz razamdar talks about elsewhere a little bit in the main story he talks about his friend from there that worshiped the moon no what got it he meridia he had a friend that was a worshiper of meridia in elsewhere i believe they kind of talked about it every once in a while so going to elsewhere we've got abner Tharn going to elsewhere why would he be going to elsewhere who wants to pull that one out there? Well, his sister is currently queen of Rimen um, in elsewhere. So he's got family connections there. <laughs> so he's going home to visit the family, decides to grab some crazy tablets and solve the war of the three banners while he's visiting his sis for a nice meal, maybe. I mean, it's fair because... After the Legion is basically completely destroyed in the Imperial City, uh, he loses the connections with the five companions after they disband at the end of the main quest. Where else is he going to go? He doesn't have any other connections. Clivia Tharn is gone. 
Yeah, no, that makes sense. It seems like there would be um, a lot of things that he could do there. The other thing that I have heard pull up, and then I think it's been a big source of debate, is in the future, there is a very major event that happens in um, the town of Rimen, I believe it is. Um, TJ, do you want to speak to that one a little bit quickly of what we would be seeing? I think it's about 300 years in the future. Uh, sure. So during Tiber Septim's time, um, he builds a the the uh, brass god, uh, the Numidium there, and he activates he activates it there, and it uh, creates an event called uh, a dragon break, which is basically when time itself becomes non-linear and uh, all sorts of crazy things happen within the vicinity. Yeah. So the the from what you've explained, I've been trying to go over a dragon break because it's one of those metaphysical parts of the Elder Scrolls series that is a little bit wonky to try to grab for just the casual player that wouldn't actually know everything about it. So it seems that a dragon break is when an event happens of incredible magnitude that has almost an infinite number of outcomes and they all happen at the same time, it seems, and they're all happening concurrently. And that's when the dragon, is it Akatosh at this point? that will has to come and essentially try to assemble them back together. Yes, Akatosh essentially has to uh, fix up all the timeline, timelines back into one. So, and, and essentially he is time too, so he's basically putting his body back together, kind of stuffing his organs mm-hmm. back into rows so that everything works out nice and calmly. Um, it does leave paradoxes where it's the same thing has happened, multiple people. Um, it's funny because we were talking about it earlier and I kept thinking about the Mandela effect. If you're not aware of what that is, it's uh, Nelson Mandela. After he was released from prison, there was just kind of this collective knowledge. They're like, wait, didn't he die already? And everybody thought he had already died. And then you kept hearing on the news. It's like, oh, Nelson Mandela's doing this. And everyone would just kind of look at each other and be like, I thought he was dead. Everybody. So they call this the Mandela effect because it's kind of like there's a little bit of a glitch and two possible timelines happen at the same time. Uh, more recently, we have the Berenstain Bears. Um, I know at least in North America, I don't know if Berenstain Bears were big in England or not, but everybody thought it was spelled Berenstain Bears, and then everyone, and then we just recently found out, no, it was Berenstain Bears. It's kind of these weird anomalies in time that everybody seems to know about, but you don't really have an explanation for. Those are the best dumbed-down descriptions I can think of for a dragon break. Does that kind of make sense to everybody, or am I completely off what? Whack here. Uh, that's <laughs> just right. laughing at me, yeah. just being like, who is this guy? What does he think he's talking about? <laughs> okay, so we're getting into the middle of the more kind of crazy things and talking about dragon breaks and maybe the Berenstain Bears. Chat's confused about my <laughs> Berenstain Bears reference. It makes sense, trust me, people. I'm going to publish this. This will be my great Elder Scrolls knowledge. Um, we've talked about Dragon Breaks. We've talked about Abner Tharn. What do we really think he's going to elsewhere for, though? Kind of, Alara, do you have any ideas of what people have been talking about? Have you got anything? Feel free to pass the buck on the question if you don't have No, I'm idea. probably not the one to answer this one. <laughs> Cry, any th- thoughts on this one of what we think we're going to see in the chapter about elsewhere? Why would we be going to elsewhere? Well, I mean, TJ has uh, brought up the family relations already. Um, but I'd just like to talk about a theory that we had, which came up in literally yes. the past hour or so before we went live. 
Um, so TJ, please ring in if if uh, if I make any mistakes or if you think differently. But um, there were two iconic characters in the Elder Scrolls history uh, called Etrebus, and um, one of them in particular was a warlord, and he was uh, an emperor shortly before the time of ESO, um, and I think he was, it was about 150 years before, about around, um, and it was before the time of the Longhouse Emperors as well, so before the time Leovich died, who you can see in the Imperial City as well, if you played that DLC, you'll come across his undead corpse. But um, this links to the Akaviri, and the Akaviri is a continent east of Tamriel, and there are a few races who live on Akavir. And it's and also the location is... of the Elder Scrolls Six, correct? That's what everyone's <laughs> decided on. That's going to be the case now. Uh, who knows, right? <laughs> uh, one of them was the Sacy. And uh, we recently had a motif released as well for the Sacy. It looks quite cool. It looks like, uh, well, it looks, um, I don't know if you've seen it. You know, like the round hats? I don't know what you call them. Uh, but it's quite, it's quite a cool motif. The round uh, hats one? Yeah. I'm trying to yeah, think which one hats. that is. I don't know what you called them. Uh... No, I don't anyway. know that one. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Someone um, will look it up for us. Someone will, yeah. So during the first Akaviri invasion, that's when the Sacy came over. And Etrebus uh, rose to power and expelled them to go to uh, elsewhere. So they all fled to elsewhere. And they founded the city of Rimen which is where Abner Farn's relative is now queen. Uh, so we we have sources within the law which says that the Khajiit welcomed the Sesi into the hills and steppes of northwestern elsewhere. And northwestern elsewhere would be the sort of greener area of elsewhere as opposed to sort of the sandy self. Um, and if you watch that teaser trailer as well, you might notice the ruins that they were in had sort of green foliage going on and uh with the time with the timeline that we have it, they had up to 150 years uh from the time Atrebus defeated the Sacy. so the ruin could have been built in that time we're, but we're not certain but if we accept the fact that the ruin is of Akaviri origin of Sacy origin then it's possible this could link to a feud back in Akavir itself uh, between the Capotun and the Sacy. And the Capotun are like these cat-like folk from Akavir. And their leader, Toshraka, is a uh, divine dragon. He oh. turned from a, a cat folk to a dragon. And what we were theorizing is that the, the Rathstone could be the tool that Toshraka used to turn himself into a dragon. And the first invasion to Tamriel was when they was uh, the Sacy basically splitting the, the Rathstone and scattering the pieces around Tamriel to hide it so the Capotun couldn't become more powerful and they couldn't create any more divine dragons because that'd be bad for them. Yeah. So we're kind of seeing the power that the Rathstone has and why Abnafar might want to possess that power and the Three Banners War. So the first uh, quarter chapter, uh, first quarter DLC 
could be finding one of the pieces because uh, did you watch the um the stream where they showed the teaser trailer yes i was watching i believe i'm i'd have to remember it exactly but i remember watching that stream so yeah there was like a sound bit sort of i don't know if it's like a quarter or halfway through and it was uh at the farm basically telling you to pick up the piece of the yeah. tile yeah and then and then get out of there so it could be uh, from the first quarter DLC of where you find the tile, that's the first piece, and then you find the second piece during the uh, second quarter chapter. So then you have the pieces, and then you have the Q3 and Q4, which we have no know nothing about yet, but that could be sort of leaning towards the conclusion and sort of coming into contact with the power that the Raphstone might have. So, Can so I just do- jump in a sec? Go ahead, Megatron. Yeah, sure. Um, so this is a bit of a meme on on the UESP Discord. Um, but for those of you who haven't been around on Discord forever, Tosh Raka, um, the leader of the Capotar, that's an anagram of Akatosh. So that uh, brings us straight back to Dragon again. So uh, yeah, if the Capotan are related to the Khajiit and this Rathstone holds the power to turn from cat to dragon, well, yes, as some. Uh, in the chat, because the, you do believe that Akatosh is just a very big cat, so <laughs> that's another connection. Maybe. Do we know if there's more than one Wrathstone at this point? I haven't heard about the Wrathstone in lore anywhere else, other than this is the first time I think it's been brought up. Do we know if there's multiple Wrathstones, or there is just one and it's a very powerful artifact we just haven't heard about before? Uh, do you want me to take this, Croy? Yeah, yeah, you take it, TJ. So, um, during the second Akaviri invasion, which is a couple of years, uh, 10 years before ESO uh, starts, um, uh, another sub- subset of the Akaviri, another race um, called the Kamal, come, um, they sail around uh, Vardenfell into the Sea of Ghosts uh, just and land specifically at Windhelm to try and find an artifact they called the Ordained Receptacle. The Ordained so they Receptacle. All, they sailed all the way from Akavir after the first Akavir invasion to get this one artifact. That was their entire goal. And um, obviously, um, they didn't succeed. Uh, Almalexia, the Ebonart Pact, they all banded together to, to banish them, and they pretty much failed at their goal. But um we later find out that according to the first pocket guide to the empire um there's still some kamal that are hiding around hiding around in uh, elsewhere that later um come out so we think i should also mention that the ordained receptacle in the uh, the law book that is first mentioned it's um the nord who wrote it said that the ordained receptacle is most probably a very bodged up translation from um, the Akaviri language into uh, Tamrielic. And uh, I did some searching and ordained, ordained is a synonym uh, of doom and receptacle obviously is something that you can hold something in. So we we were thinking Rathstone, Doomstone, Doom receptacle, it might be connected. I like so, it. I, this sounds completely like a reasonable theory to me. I Anybody have any objections of what they've heard so far? Does it anything that we're not expecting? 
I know a lot of people hear Akaviri and automatically you're kind of like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is about Tamriel. We're not talking about Akavir. People get mad when we talk about Elder Scrolls 6 is obviously going to be an Akavir, and we know it from the <laughs> teaser. It's going to be fine. But people end up get very kind of bent into shape when we talk about Akavir. Do we think that we're going to see any of Akavir potentially and elsewhere? Uh, it's quite possible that we see some of the Sayesi. Because they ha- they are known to be in Bremen, uh, in Elsa right now, doing something. They obviously they're there, but we don't know. We haven't gone there, so we don't know where they are or what they look like. Um, but going back to your original question, uh, do we think there's more than one rest stone? Um, I think. I think the theory. My theory is that the um, the, Sacy. They um, they are they are the uh, Ak- the Akaviri that went to came over to Tamriel and they kickstarted the uh, the Dragon God, uh, which are the yep. Akaviri order to uh, killing all the dragons basically. So they obviously they're no friends they're no friends of the dragons and they came over from Akavir to uh, to perhaps place this artifact which is. Um, what the Caputon um, may have used to uh, turn themselves into dragons. So they may be, perhaps they split up this artifact, they stole it, sold, uh, sailed over to Tamriel in order to prevent uh, them from using it anymore. Do we know, when it says turn into dragons, do they mean actually turn into dragons, as in like the dragons we know from Skyrim, or turn into dragon-like creatures? Is it kind of known there what that would mean, or? Absolutely not. Nothing about Akavir is known. <laughs> Everything's all made up, and the points don't matter. Tosh Rocket is described as a dragon, but we don't know if what that's that a means. Skyrim dragon or a dragonling, or yeah. So, so it's we just know it'll be theory based on what they call okay. dragons, but we don't know. Yeah. Even the other races, there's a lot of debate whether they're beast folk races or yeah. Whether it's just, you know, like a metaphor. Yeah, as you said, I believe that, or Baratron said that, the Khajiit believe Akatosh is just a really big cat, according to some people. So we don't really know what the dragons mean there. So I think it's exciting that we know we know that it's going to be the season of the dragon. is going to be something involving the next upcoming amount of chapters. We know we're going to do something with this tablet. This theory with this tablet is has the power to turn somebody into a tra- dragon. Sounds the most compelling to me. I almost don't want to get too hyped up about it because I'll be disappointed if it's not as great of a story as the one that we've come up with. <laughs> I think that's a really good one that uh, you and uh, TJ Cry have kind of pulled up in the past hour. It was great. I got back to our... Uh, chat for the show after like getting home from work and getting my kids dinner and things like that and I look at my phone it's like you have 102 missed messages on discord <laughs> and it's like drop my phone I was like either something terrible has happened or something amazing has happened so I think the like lore explosion that happened was just getting everybody very excited and I think yeah anybody hearing this this sounds like a completely plausible idea so I think that'd be great if that was something that we potentially saw so I kind of like. Oh. Sorry. Go ahead, Baratron. Yeah, go ahead. I'd kind of like to move on to the idea of what Abnathan's plan is, because remember he's talking about uh, wanting to end the Three Banners War, and 
you know, for those of you who have played the main quest in ESO, you'll remember that one of the problems with um, Varan Aquilarius was that he wasn't Dragonborn. And here we are talking about a tablet with the power to turn people into ah. a dragon. Which is interesting. It kind of brings us back to that main quest of what was their goal to begin with when they were they wanted him to be so he could become the emperor, become dragonborn. If you have a tablet that might have the potential to make you into a dragon, that also doesn't seem to be a problem anymore. I mean, if you remember Thon, if you're aware of his his personality, the guy um, the guy's had at least seven wives. He's got children all over the place. And, uh, you know, who's he going to support as emperor other than uh, himself or a close family member? So, you know, is this some plan to get his, his sister or one of his daughters uh, on the throne? It's, it's, it's kind of interesting, really. I like that idea, yeah. This is potentially a way to... And when I hear that they want he wants to end the Three Banners War, I have, it kind of like starts stirring stuff with me. It's just like, okay, well... What would the motivation be for that? And I, the one that I keep coming back to is that he wants to kind of reclaim Cyrodiil, stop having these, like, the, I think in lore it's referred, I can't remember, it's like the time of many emperors. I can't remember what the exact name of it was. Um, Interregnum. Yes, there you go. Um, yeah, so he wants to end that and kind of bring back the united Cyrodiil. Do we know anything from the future in any of the lore texts of what happens after ESO? Or are we kind of in like a dark ages after this where the ESO team is luckily kind of able to keep changing things and we don't actually know what happens following it? What's kind of like the story behind that? Nothing's going to probably get fixed because <laughs> we have, let's face it, we have a giant wall where... Tiber Septon reforms the Empire at the end of the era, yes. and that's 300 years off, so we can't really fix what's broken. Yeah, it's one of those ones that's like, I think Tiber Septon's the big end of ESO. I don't know how we... Well, I guess we could have a story about that, but it's going to be an interesting one. The other question... no. Google, I'm not going to recommend Chrome to anybody. I don't know why that popped up there. <laughs> Sorry, stream about that. I topic. will. Uh, it's just like, awesome, guys. What are the chances you're going to recommend that. Chrome to somebody? It just pops up on the stream there. So you need to calm down, Google. Um, outside of lore, though, there are other things we can expect with a new chapter and with the new season coming. Some of those things are going to be game mechanics. Morrowind brought the warding class. Somerset brought the Sigic skill line. What are we, do we have an idea about? What do we have some spoilers about that there's definitely going to be coming in the new chapter? Uh, Alara, do you want to talk to some of the points that we have found about this? Um, there's been rumors that there might be a necromancy class. I'm not really sure where that was from. I think that was just another one of those rumors that was out there. But it's one of those ones, I've yeah. No verification that. yet. Again, we're not saying we know anything. This is all speculation based on other things. We're just kind of reporting on the things we found. But yes, the Necromancer class seems to be kind of the big addition that people have been scrambling for forever. I know I have friends personally that any kind of MMO game they want to play, it's a Necromancer. It's what they want to roll. That's kind of the big thing. It's a very fan service class, if you'll, if you will. Um, what do we think about the Necromancer class so far? Who wants to hop on that one? 
Well, one thing that they did with the warden um, is they made sure that the three class uh, skill lines were arranged so that one was aimed towards damage, one was aimed towards healing, and one was aimed towards tanking. So you've got there the animal companions class, which is uh, damage dealing. You've got the uh, the green green harvest. The, the anyway the the, the plant oriented line, which is which is all about healing. And then you've got the ice line, which is all about tanking. And they are uh, one or other of the devs. I can't remember who, but you know Rich Lambert or Matt Fur or one of these very high art people did say that that was the plan that they were going to introduce from classes from now on. Now I myself. I'm <laughs> I'm expecting there to be, you know, with the necromancy class, there's going to be something a bit like the Daedric summoning of sorcerers, but with, uh, you know, skeletons undead type things. I'm absolutely intrigued by the concept of how you're going to do a necromancer healer, though. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean... How's that going to work? You're going to be resurrecting your friends? I mean... Generally, from other games, what I see is when you have a healer class based on that is kind of like a bloodletting magic. So it's you take damage to yourself to heal your party. So I'm curious if that's going to be kind of a thing. It's like kind of like a siphoning class where it's either they take damage from themselves to heal everybody else or if it's going to be taking damage from the enemy that you're fighting and distributing their health to the rest of the party that'd be an interesting thing now they did introduce that one uh skill like that in the nightblade club yes the siphon mm -hmm. yes that one ever i remember the name of that one totally off the top of my head now there was <laughs> a sixth class at one time along with the warden which was scrapped alongside it uh the battle mage which I wonder if that might just they might just rework what they were going to do with the Balmage into being a necromancer class because doesn't really sound that different. Yeah, especially with the way things kind of work in ESO, where you can have a sorcerer that still uses a sword. The battle mage kind of loses its uniqueness that it does have in the other Elder Scrolls games. I think I've always remember rolling a battle mage in Morrowind and Oblivion, which was just the you use your magic in your left hand, your sword in your right. Whereas that was a nice unique thing about the Elder Scrolls games that I really liked to do. That wasn't just you were pigeonholed. You either cast magic or you hit people with something sharp. So in Elder Scrolls, though, that's already built in, so having that as a class becomes a little bit more challenging there. Um, there go ahead, Bear. You, you, no, no, no. Um, there was, a, and I've said a long time ago, I mean before Varden fell, there was data mined the idea of a one-handed rune clock, a uh, hmm. weapon. Now, uh, as those of you who play ESO know, if you are a stamina, a damage dealer then you have the choice of melee weapons you have the choice of uh, swords and axes and uh, hammers or you have the choice of a bow which means you can do ranged however if you are a magic class you only have the choice of staves which need to be used from a distance the idea of the one-handed rune class was it would be a magic and melee uh, not sorry i keep saying class i mean weapon line sorry let me get this <laughs> um is that it would be a melee magicka weapon line and you know is that something that could come up at the same time as the as the necromancer that one yeah it seems it'd be i feel like it'd be very ambitious for them to roll out 
that kind of like the one hand plus rune magic wielding weapon and the necromancer at the same time. I gladly welcome that. I just, it's, I feel like you got to keep some of the cards close to your chest before you just say like, okay, you get elsewhere, you get a new class, you get a new weapon skill, but maybe, I don't know, what does everybody else think? Well, they did say that they wanted to do something special this year because it was the five-year anniversary. True. Um, it's just trying to work out where those boundaries are. Um, I feel like we'll get the class with the chapter. Yeah. Um, but I don't think we will see any sort of weapon skill lines until next year, probably. I feel like they're going to do a rotation of class, weapon skill line, class, weapon skill line. I think that's what they're going to work towards. What does everybody, anybody else think? Do we think any chance of seeing an additional skill line along or weapon skill along with the Necromancer? Or is it possible that the Necromancer isn't actually a class and it might just be a skill line? I know a lot of people have been saying that they'd be very excited for that more than a new class. Even a lot of people in chat have mentioned that they would love it if it was a skill line that they could add on so that they don't have to give up their mains to start something new. Do we have any kind of information other than the leaks that we've seen that might lead us to believe that if they were just a misdirection, that it's actually a skill line of necromancy that's being added? We don't actually know either way. <laughs> we really don't know. What do you think? We really don't know. If there was a new skill line to be added for necromancy, how would you think it would work? Would it be work similar to the Sigic skill line, or do you think we'd see it almost more as like an, an additional weapon skill line? Well, we have Abner Thorn, who is the necromancer. So if anyone's going to teach you necromancy, it's going to be him. True. Yeah, so it might be something that you teach your own, excuse me, your own character here. And Abner Tharn is kind of, you do some awesome fetch quests for him. And he slowly hands out a little bit more information about how to raise something better as we keep going through. It's like, hey, look, you get a skeleton and then you get a two skeletons as you keep leveling up, maybe. Um, personally, I'm expecting it more to be a class. I think a necromancer class makes more sense than a warden with a necromancer skill line. It just seems out of character for the class, as far as like a class fantasy goes. Um, same with Templar. I think it'd be very jolting to have your Templar suddenly raise a flesh golem from the ground to fight for you. It just seems a bit terrifying. Hmm. One thing to bear in mind that's different between ESO and some of the older games is that... Uh... In sort of uh, Elder Scrolls 2 and 3, if you made certain choices uh, about joining factions, and that uh, meant that you couldn't join other factions. Yeah. With ESO being an MMO, we have already joined the Mages Guild, which has a ban of necromancy. We've already joined the Fighters Guild, who um, are against the undead. So that's kind of an interesting an interesting thought is how is this necromancy going to fit in to our existing characters if if they were to be added if you know if it was to be added as a skill line later. Yeah, that is. And I don't have the answer. Yeah, it is is the is the Mages Guild um ban on necromancy in effect during the time of VSO? Yes, it's a Vanus Galarian uh, edict and he is around. Okay. 
making his obnoxious self known. <laughs> I wasn't sure if the it was a, a direct ban at this time or if it was a you shouldn't do this. I couldn't remember what. I'll say that I don't think uh, I know that a lot of people think we do, and there's some evidence pointing towards it. But I don't think we're going to get necromancy class because it's just so outside of ESO's position on necromancy. It, they're the bad guys of the whole main quest. It's just going to be weird. Yeah, and even when you see the the interesting thing too is whenever you see necromancers in. Like there, I know you see Elmiri necromancers, you see even Heart Pack necromancers, and you see Daggerfall Covenant necromancers, but they always seem to show up when the other faction is the enemy. It's never they're like, "Hey, go help out your necromancers and get them a bunch of skeletons so that they can raise some dead for us." It's always when you're playing as the like the Almiri Dominion that you see the other factions using necromancers and like, hey, don't do that. That's outrageous. So it's it's an interesting one. Yeah, I felt the same, you know, when you could uh, become a vampire as well. And vampires are the spawn of Molag Baal and you, you're inflicted vampirism by the first vampire, Lamai Baal. I just find that was a bit strange, but uh, it shows that they might try doing something similar with necromancy. I don't know. I... The thing with that was they kind of wrote Lemay Ball's character to be extremely opposed to Moloch Ball, which is fair. But the other thing with Necromancers, they've kind of kept going with the Necromancers are bad thing. Like, you play Merkmeyer, uh, there's that tribe of Argonians who are practicing what is basically necromancy by raising uh, eggs that couldn't hatch. And they're treated as the worst possible things ever for Argonians. So I wonder if it would be, is, and again, if they are doing something new for the chapter, they could make the new characters, for lack of a better term, I remember this from World of Warcraft, they had the Death Knights, which were the hero, was called a hero class. And they were essentially kind of like necromancers at the time. They were more melee, plate-wearing, focused necromancers. But they were kind of, they existed after the main storyline existed. So you would play through the original World of Warcraft and the expansion, the Burning Crusade, and then they added the Death Knight, which happened after the main story. I wonder if there would be a way that they would, kind of with timey-wimey, fun times with the time stuff, have a class, if you made a Necromancer, it existed after the main quest has already happened so that you don't have as many of the problems where they're like, why is, uh, why are they help asking a necromancer fight against another necromancer with mana Marco? So they might get away with that of this character can't complete that part of the main quest unless you go and talk to this person and they're like, Oh sure. Cadwell tells you that you can go back and try it all again. Imagine if you had started out and it kind of just ignores that you're a necromancer. Would it be possible to maybe see something like that? I'm not sure. I think that would be a very, very major change. Yeah. It'd be a, a big jump for them. But again, if they're adding a necromancer class, I think, big jumps are already in order. So it'd be interesting to see how the team, if that is the case and they do add it, how they kind of justify it and go through that. They'd have to record a lot of base game dialogue again. Yeah, that would be very difficult. Or they would, 
they might not even have to record any new. It's just basically when you go to do that stuff, like Cadwell tells you like, we're just going to put a mask on you and pretend you're not raising the skeletons. It'll just pretend that this skeleton over here is a puppy. So, yeah, because otherwise I don't know how they add a, cl a necromancer class that can go in and they're like, oh no, you're fighting a necromancer. Man, Marco, he's so evil. P.S. Are you evil too? It'll just be, it's just kind of a hard jump to make so i could i can see akb's point on that but it also it's so fan servicey it feels hard not to add the necromancer people love necromancers and necromancy and it's a very big part of kind of elder scrolls lore that they exist and it's just kind of people who are like yeah but i want to try doing that like ray is undead and those kind of things so it's really interesting now another possibility is that we're all getting way too excited about the wrong thing and they might be bringing back spellcrafting. If you remember, I believe it was the QuakeCon 2014, there was yeah. a a preview, kind of tech demo type thing shown, and pretty much everything else that was in there, I mean, it showed, it showed the Clockwork City, I believe, um, pretty much everything else that was in there has eventually made its way into the main game. Now, last year with um, Somerset, we noticed that an additional room got added to the, uh, I think it's pronounced Bevan, Bevan, I don't know, the the ruin in, uh... oh, sorry, my brain's gone on. Thank you. Oridon. Thank you, Lara. Oridon. <laughs> Lara keeps the popping next... in with just like the lore tidbits, mic dropping, <laughs> yeah, and then taking, <laughs> just slowly take a, a drink. And... Anyway, um, yes, an additional room got added and we thought, oh, maybe it's spellcrafting, maybe, but of course it, it wasn't. It was uh, the slowed introduction to Somerset. So maybe, maybe we're all barking up the wrong tree entirely, and it's going to be spellcrafting that gets added in this in this fifth year of Elder Scrolls. And here comes more slows instead. <laughs> Just slowed, slowed forever. Okay, I actually wouldn't be sad about that. I love the slows. Slows were like kind of the favorite addition to Somerset. I wish there were more slows. The slows are great, but I'd rather they had the uh, the Gesta the Gesta type slow instead of the sea slow. Well, yeah, what, the Gester is the kind of the uh, yeah, grosser so. looking one, right? I'm trying to remember what they look yeah, like. Yeah. He looks more parasitic yeah. and best like a frog. <laughs> sea slugs. Yeah, slowed, slowed class. I like that suggestion that I just <laughs> saw there. Full class of slowed. Um So, okay, so spellcrafting as we jump into the next part here. What does everybody remember from the spellcrafting demo that they gave out because i'm going to lead the question here because i have a theory that i popped up earlier again to very little agreement but i'm going to throw it out here anyways uh what did spellcrafting look like i think tj gave the best explanation of it when i was talking can you kind of explain what it ha how somebody would craft a spell and what that would mean so um you'd be given this ability that allowed you to uh you cast it and then you go into various ruins and you'd see a magical door in any of these ruins that you could only see when, when you've gone through the quest to unlock the skill. And you'd go into this secret room, collect a uh, rune, which would have a part of a spell on it, I think. And then you'd take some charcoal and a piece of paper, like that uh, quest in Skyrim, I think when you're in the Markarth Museum. Yep. You take the uh, your charcoal and your paper and do a rubbing of the rune. 
and then you take that, go to a spell crafting table, um, and then you can combine all of these rubbings into a, a uh, into a, a spell, and then you could mix and match different spells in order to um, make different uh, spells using the various elements like uh, destruction, conjuration, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think the interesting thing too is like I know we were talking about kind of how this would ever exist, and I would like to see almost like kind of like the alchemy system we have for crafting, where by adding these different ingredients, you would create the new potion where you could do that with those runes that you collect so you add these three runes together and one of them's a destruction and one of them's a conjuration and it creates a destructive conjuration kind of things like that so that would be interesting to me the other way i could see it kind of being implemented would be with kind of a mishmash of the morph system that we currently have where you would have the base spell and by collecting the different runes you get to choose different paths for the morphs that would go through so it might be a little bit less open and more just kind of a straight okay you have a fireball spell but by adding this rune you can make it an ice ball spell or a poison ball spell or a flesh ball spell which is disgusting now that i say that out loud i can't really imagine how that would work but i'm wondering if it would be something kind of like that what do you guys think it would look like if they were to put it in Um, I've seen I've seen suggestions where people said it'd be more of a cosmetic thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it's just kind of a... Oh, I would love that on my warden so that I could not summon cliff racers every two seconds while I'm spamming that ability and have it do like an eagle for my sweet AD. Queen A. Ren would be proud of me if I had an eagle in there or... Oh man, that would be awesome having the different ones in there. That That's interesting. I could see that too because that... The biggest thing I can see as a challenge when we talk about spellcrafting is trying to get any of the balancing in place because you kind of end up with either a, this is the most OP spell to make, so obviously everybody's going to make it, so what's the bother of having spellcrafting if people all do it the same? Or it's a, it's so convoluted that there's no way to make a great spell and it's kind of just useless. So it's hard to kind of figure out how they would do that. And if they do do that, I would love to see I don't How think it's they... going to be like Oblivion Spellcraft. No. Mm. No, unfortunately, I can't well, even, see it. Even Morrowinds. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, Morrowinds, you could craft a nuclear bomb. And, <laughs> and I did, in the city. many times. <laughs> I don't think that most of the playthroughs I'd go through, I'd get halfway through and be like... Or... I can enchant myself so that everything is... I'm the most powerful thing that's ever created, and then create basically the nuke... And just win the game. In Oblivion, you could uh, cre create spells either on self, on touch, or at a range. And yeah, that would be kind of OP. I think. I think it's if they do introduce spellcrafting, um, I do like the idea of either a third morph to spells or as a cosmetic thing. Well, I say spells. I mean class abilities. Yeah, but actually, even as spells, that does make sense because. That would even give an ability to give a little bit more customization to the classes and get away from a lot of the... I know there's a lot of complaints about how some things only work as Magicka abilities and maybe they give a new spell that creates it, gives it stamina if it's one of the ones that doesn't already morph that way. I know a lot of the Warden spells, 
the morphs either are for you get to choose between magicka or stamina going through. So that's an interesting way to look at spellcrafting. But yeah, I think spellcrafting is one of those ones where it's like I'd love to see it, but it's just like it's such a hard logical concept. I don't know where that it where that ends up. The only thing that in my mind kind of leads some credence to it is in that video, like you did have tablets that you were using to create those spells and they would do the rubbings on the tablets. And we're talking about with the wrath stone. If you look at it, it's got those kind of runes around it. Like what we saw with spellcrafting before and Abner Tharn, he's talking about, this is again, this is pylon ridiculous theory. So bear with me for a second here while we pull this one out. He's talking about how he's gained new knowledge that he thinks will be able to end the Three Banners War. So it's possible that he's talking about the ability to create new spells that will be more powerful. And with this Wrathstone is the most powerful one that they found. It has the power to create somebody into a dragon, potentially, as we were talking about. Or it has some other incredibly strong magical powers to it. So it's possible that he will be taking us to elsewhere to kind of uncover these artifacts and this relic that are maybe similar, smaller wrath stones that we're then using to create those spells. And that's kind of the new Sigic spell line it would work like. So we'd be going through and we'd be learning how to create it. Wild speculation on my part, but it's just one of the ways I'm like, well, maybe that'd be a way that we could get spell crafting. It, might, it fits in story-wise that isn't really answered otherwise. He talks about having a new knowledge and that's why he has to go to elsewhere so it, maybe that's what the knowledge could be uh, that's kind of a good point because uh the magic class system or uh, school system as we know it in the later games doesn't exist in here so yeah. uh, destruction conjuration they haven't been formally uh, realized yet and the whole thing about spellcrafting is that some ancient civilization has managed to do that before the rest of Tamriel has figured figured out what uh, schools of the magic goes into. Okay. Another point, of course, is that we have basically no mysticism spells, and I don't think anything in the way of illusion either. So, mm. so some of those spells could be added. Um, that could interesting i don't yeah know. it kind of gives a way to add those in but they're still unknown because it hasn't been formalized yet the mages guild hasn't gone through and broken them down so we can add elements of them in without having to actually know what they're doing we can see the outcomes but not necessarily what they would be called in the later games yeah i like how there's a lore book that uh kind of shows them starting to talk about categorizing the different types of magic yeah, I remember reading that through and it was just like, they're like, oh, well, maybe this one. And it's, it's a nice way that they kind of got around just getting lumped into that category. Because I feel like mm -hmm. the game as a whole wouldn't have been as good if you had to kind of pick between like sorcerers get access to mysticism and destruction, but Templars get access to alteration. And if they made it that way, I think it would have been a very detrimental to the game's growth going forward. So I like that they kind of retconned it, even though it's, easy to retcon because they didn't actually have any recorded history of it, but retcon that way to have the different openings there. So does anybody know of anything we've missed that we've know that we've had leaked that we've had told to us anything else that we're looking at, or is it time to start getting into 
what we're expecting to see and kind of everybody putting their stamp of approval on this is what Alara thinks is going to be the outcome that we find out tomorrow. There is one thing we know for certain. What is that? Rich Lambert will be wearing long trousers instead of shorts tomorrow. Yeah, this I feel like is the biggest leak that we've got about everything. <laughs> the fact that he is not wearing shorts is going to... I think that's all the announcement we need. Maybe that is the chapter. <laughs> Just wear Rich's pants. See if we can find it anywhere. For those of you who don't know, the joke is that basically he wears shorts all year round, even in the winter, even in the um, but they make him put on long trousers when he's going to appear on camera because, you know, if you get the angle wrong and someone's wearing shorts, it can be a bit uh, embarrassing. <laughs> For formal, formal reasons, when he's present, you know, representing the company, it's really important they make him wear long trousers. Where are the Zenimac online studios? Are they in Maryland? Maryland? They are, yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. Climate-wise there, because I know right now I go outside and it's negative 20 degrees Celsius right now and freezing. What is climate there right now it's very cold here it's you're in the same kind of area so how comfortable would shorts be right now extremely bad it sounds like a terrible i have a friend that does the same thing where he just won't wear pants and he can never get him to he would always wear shorts all through the winter you'd see him out shoveling in the snow so that that means big news he was even wearing shorts at um, PAX East when we went, and there was a blizzard, actually, the day before. So it was pretty cold. <laughs> yeah. That's... I think he had a, had a comment about how the people that were from Texas presenting Quake were just all bundled up. And here he's sitting there in shorts. Shorts outside, probably just sipping on a coffee, enjoying everything. <laughs> so other than Rich's pants, is there anything else that we know that is going to be coming or that we have a good idea is going to be coming tomorrow in the announcement. Because as we kind of preempted the show with tonight, tonight we're kind of doing a precursor show to ESO Live where they're doing the main announcement tomorrow. And we, all of our wild speculation either gets confirmed or thrown completely out the window because we're all ludicrous. So here's what they might announce. They might announce a June 22nd release date for the first chapter. And if that happens, then we'll first leak was probably mostly correct and they had more that they just refused to show us as they said because they didn't want to show it all uh but beyond that we i think uh the zenimax team play, has played it pretty close to their chest they seem to kind of know that people would figure out it's going to be in elsewhere like they jumped onto those cat puns uh oh, so but after that I think we'll know mostly everything tomorrow. That's what they seem to be hinting at. Yeah, I do have they to definitely, give... Oh, go ahead, TJ. Uh, they definitely learned their lesson from last year when uh, a few weeks or months before the announcement of the chapter, we'd already stated my door with the surprises. And this year they've one-upped us by... Uh, before they even put any data on the on the servers, they've... They're doing the announcement before you even get the, the Q1 PTS uh, yeah. DLC. Yeah, I wonder if there's a little bit of a kind of cat and mouse game at play there where they're like, well, we know they're going to learn something. So let's try to preempt that and announce it a bit earlier this year so that they don't. Because we did have, I remember with Somerset, we had a quite a long time until the announcement. It was in March, wasn't it? Yeah. The announcement for the June release. And I think then 
Uh, Morrowind was a January 30th announcement. Is that correct? Yes. It was around that time. Yeah, it was around the end of January. So I remember people were kind of getting anxious for a Somerset announcement, going back and being like, okay, cool, but what are we doing? What's next? What's next? And then I think the data miners kind of get antsy and they're like, well, we'll sit on it for a little bit, but if you don't tell us anything, like, okay, we're going to let things out of the bag. So it's interesting how that kind of plays out. But I definitely have to give huge props to whoever is running the media team and marketing team at ZeniMax right now, because even if there are leaks, even if there are any spoilers with data mining and stuff like that, I don't think I've seen the community this hyped for something since they kind of teased Morrowind was coming out and we saw in those data files, the mountain and people being like, holy crap, red mountain. And maybe it means Morrowind. Like there is so much hype. I think even on the discord server, we saw just how many people did we see join that one day after that tweet got posted, like without any real knowledge, like they've been killing it on building up hype for this. So props to the ZeniMax team on that. Yeah. There's even that stream the other day where people were sitting and clicking for (laughs) five hours yeah Laura, could you talk to that for a moment here i don't think we actually even really mentioned what happened during that stream yeah so that was the stream where they um set up a twitch add-on and basically it showed the um runes that are on the wrath stone and people are supposed to just click and gradually as more people click then the uh runes would fill in with uh like orange and they'd also at certain points reveal teasers so the first one was, um, or, or well, they also did prizes too. Yeah. So the teasers that they gave were Abner Tharn's little uh, voice clip of something like "Collect the tablet and let's go." Um, they also revealed the dragon icon that's going to be part of the box art, and then the uh, last bit was the little seven-second clip with the uh, Khajiit. Of course, a lot yeah. of people were expecting something longer than that. So <laughs> it was really short. The little is like. She looks yeah. really concerned, and people seem mm-hmm. to love that Khajiit. Everyone is thinking that Khajiit's going to be just the cat's meow. Khajiit, um, prediction. Elsewhere hasn't really appeared in the ESO so far. We've Well, hasn't really appeared in the games at all so far, except for Arena, which, should we say, hardly counts. Um... <laughs> We've had Kanathi's Roost, we've had that little area in Reaper's March. One thing I would love to see, which hasn't been included in the game so far, is the, the idea of the different Khajiit uh, first dogs. Um, as most of you know, the moon phases affect the morphology of the Khajiit um, being. So they can range from tiny little house, house cats called Alfiq, who are apparently very powerful mages, up to more tiger-like creatures uh more there's the uh style of khajiit that was in morrowind where they've got the uh now hang on let me get this right um digigrade legs uh and they couldn't wear wear shoes uh compared to the type of khajiit we've had from oblivion onwards where they're plantigrade they've got got flat feet uh there's also the ones that look more like scent and i'm kind of intrigued as to whether any of these are going to be included. I, obviously, there's an awful lot of different uh, Khajiit morphology mm-hmm. that's possible, but they could introduce an NPC who basically looks like a house cat, but is uh, able to talk to you and offer you a quest. 
they could introduce an NPC who who looks like a, a regular sench tiger but is is able to offer you a quest and i would really like to see that even if uh it's like the naga and it's not a a race that's possible for us as players yeah i I mean somerset did give us a floating crystal skull npc so i feel like a talking house cat that's an incredible maid wouldn't be super outrageous um i do have a question about this because the the khajiit first stocks i've never been completely clear on Senches can be a first stock or it can be a Khajiit, but they're also sometimes not. Like the mounts that we have in Elder Scrolls, where we're riding on a Sench mount, I'm not riding on Razam Dar's brother who's just not as smart as him. Is that correct? Can we kind of, can you clarify that one for everybody? I actually have the um, original answer when uh, someone asked that in an AMA on Reddit. Um, Lauren Shook said, um, this was back in 2014, I believe. The in-game answer is that the differences between Sench, Sench Rat, that's one of the other first stocks, and Sench Tigers are confusing and hard to understand for everyone but Khajiit. Furthermore, Khajiit seem to sense an intelligence in Sench Tigers that other races do not. But since Sench Tigers don't speak, their intelligence is hard to assess. So basically, it sounds like the ones that we ride as mounts aren't like actual Khajiit, but because you can kind of sense they, an intelligence in them, but they are just animals. Interesting. Okay. But there are, in lore, um, the actual Khajiit can be used as uh, mounts. And you actually see that in the um, novels, um, The Infernal City. And um, I think it's in the first one only. But yeah. I mean, if you try hard enough, I bet you could use a Nord as a mount too and just ride him <laughs> in the battle. So I feel like all of them really could be mounts if we really tried that hard. Just imagine chicken fighting with a Nord. Man. I'd also like to add in a prediction that Razum Dar is probably your main companion in this. Do you think they'd use him again? I mean, they <laughs> said he was going to go visit family, and unless his family lives in Skyrim, where <laughs> he's going to be here. Or the Khajiit we see in the teaser is his sister or other family member. Ooh. That could be a possibility, because if he says he's going to visit family. The Khajiit also has uh, Old Mary Dominion uh, yeah. light armor on, I think. Yeah, they look similar to the Spymaster one, correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's not quite the exact same, but it would be, that would make sense that we would see it that way if it was a relative of Razumdar, and gets them away from using Razumdar yet again as the main character, since we just had him in Somerset. Mm-hmm. Or the main, not the main character, but the main helper, I guess, would be a more accurate. You can never have too much Raz. It's true. He is probably one of the main reasons I stuck with ESO as long as I did. Because I started El Mary, and I was like, I don't know what it was. I started in the beta when I was just, I kind of gave up on it. Then I came back after the um, one Tamriel update. And I played through the quest, and I met him, and I was like, "This is my favorite character of all time." I've and I played through strictly because I just thought he was the best written character. So at this point, I think we've covered everything that we know. I want to kind of go through the round table here and just go person to person of what they expect to see tomorrow before we kind of sign off for tonight. So I'll start with Alara. What are you expecting to see tomorrow? 
Well, I'm hoping to see an exciting trailer for the next chapter and announcements of all the DLC. I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk about once we figure all that out. Um, yeah, I think we'll probably have to have another show potentially yeah, next week to go back over everything and find <laughs> out. We can do a uh, game of who is right and who is wildly wrong, a.k.a. Me. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I oh. have too many other things to. Um, do you guys think we'll see actually see any dragons in this chapter? Oh yeah, definitely. Because there are a few that were um, known to be alive at this point. There is a lore book that you can find in Skyrim that was written about a hundred years or so, I believe, after. Um, I think it was, if I'm remembering correctly, after ESO, and. Um, they list um, four different dragons there. Parthenax, Mirmulner, who is the first one you fight in um, Skyrim at the Watchtower. There's also... Um, uh, it, he's listed as Nafalar there. Um, Nafalargus is his name in Redguard. And then there's another one that is rumored to be somewhere in Morrowind. But who knows? Maybe there's more out there that the Blades just weren't aware of at the time. It seems that nobody really knew what was going on in Elsewhere. They just kind of assumed it's crazy moon sugar town. So no one seems to have really dug <laughs> into what was happening in elsewhere. So I could easily, it kind of, it's nice because it gives the ESO team a big opening to just say, well, actually let's just put it in elsewhere because just the blades could be like, yeah, we didn't think to look there. Cause the blades just have, a, Oh, go ahead. Just a minor correction that the Atlas of Dragons and Skyrim was written in the 373 of the second era so it's predates the game okay it predates eso but again if skyrim taught me anything it's that the blades screw up a lot of things and it's very possible they didn't write the atlas <laughs> accurately they kind of they miss a lot of big things going forward so the blades so, kind of are uh historical joke to be honest like you have them in arena they don't notice like they're not in arena but they don't notice the emperor's gone for like a decade yeah. we go into daggerfall uh you have this lady who's kind of loosely guiding you along but she doesn't do anything to really help you you arrive in morrowind uh your main contact is just hide the whole game oblivion they completely fail every emperor and close relative dies immediately in Skyrim they're all just executed by the Thalmor at the start yeah there's kind of a little bit of trustworthiness going on there that we can't really um, so yeah I, th I think we'll definitely see dragons in the chapter and or in the DLCs prior to the chapter I think that's kind of a given how much they're pushing the season of the dragon and giving the um, like the chapter art that they teased at the end with that dragon with the kind of the moon logo uh that we saw in there i think i think it's likely to see a dragon baratron let's hear your I, crazy predictions I, I don't have any crazy predictions actually i believe that we will definitely see the schedule for the well, sorry schedule for your american of the DLCs. So, you know, we were talking about, uh, you know, story DLC, chapter, dungeon DLC. That is normally in the end of year letter, which is uh, either written by the game director or somebody else or the creative director. So it's either Matt or Rich who writes that. And of course, in this year, we didn't have that. It was a very, very short letter. 
that will definitely be in the show tomorrow. And other than that, um, well, we'll have to see. I mean, we're not even quite sure how long the show is. There's supposed to be a, a post-show yes. with a law master. So obviously they're going to be talking about, um, they might be talking about Abnathan, they might be talking about the Amulet of Kings, reminding us that he ran off with it, uh, reminding us what Meridia said, uh, how she said that the Amulet's power has been expended for a generation or more. The Imperial will not be able to use it, nor will he profit for it, from it, though he will spend many frustrated years in the attempt. I mean, could be all kinds of crazy ideas, you know. He could be, he could be, you know, inviting a dragon to take the Imperial throne. We don't know. He could be uh, causing a dragon break. Um, I did see somebody mention the idea of, you know, uh, causing a dragon break to go forward in time, so so that the uh, Amulet of Kings works again. Um, but no, all I'm actually expecting to see tomorrow is the, is the schedule for the DLC and everything else will be a, a bonus for Yeah, that is a good point. We don't know how long the show is. We don't know what they're actually going to show in the show. It could just be, hey, here's a trailer. Here's what the collector's edition looks like. Hey, we're out. And then they do the post-show kind of explaining the lore. Like, I expect we'll get a lot of the answers that we've been talking about today during that show, but we don't know how long it'll be. So that is a good point to say that it might be fairly brief and then they're going to slowly trickle out more content to us as we go forward cry havoc what are you expecting to see tomorrow so tomorrow i expect that we'll get that cinematic trailer i expect to see which being interviewed by twitch and hopefully we'll get a look at the collector's edition statue as well because we got a good look at them in the uh morrowind and the uh somerset announcements um i don't know if because i remember i think morrowind had a slightly different trailer for the super bowl as well it did, they put yes. a lot of money towards that i don't think that they did that last year i'm hoping that they no. do that again this year but we'll just have to wait and see on that um post show yeah i expect them to talk probably a bit more more of the intricacies surrounding the chapter what what's going to be included um and Rich will handle a lot of the sort of PR talk. Um, in terms of the chapter itself, I hope that our uh, epiphany of the uh, Akaviri, <laughs> Akaviri Toshraka and all that comes true. Yes. If it does, that would be awesome. Um, and one of the things as well that I thought was really cool was uh, Alfred Molina, I think it is, the voice actor of Abnafan. He's making a reappearance because oh. I was really hoping we'll get to see... Uh, Kate Beckinsale uh, back as Aren in Somerset. Sadly, we didn't, but I'm happy to see Abner back this time. Yeah. Um, in terms of Q3 and Q4, I'm not sure because I have a feeling they'll want to save some for E3. Um, but they might announce it and then just show more at E3. I don't know how they work it. But uh, either way, the year's looking out to be really exciting, and I can't see what I can't wait to see what they bring forward to us so yeah i really do hope we see the statue i've got room for another one on here since i've got oh, yeah. i'm still missing my molag ball one though i've tried to find the imperial edition anywhere and i haven't been able to find that statue anywhere that i can buy it used or on ebay that will ship mm. to me in canada here so mm. one day i'll find it and complete the connection we got the guar <laughs> baratron's guar pops on stream um but yeah, no, I think that's great. I do, part of me hopes that we don't get your theory confirmed 
just because I know TJ will never let us hear the end of it if he predicted that crazy <laughs> philosophy of what's going to happen. It was just TJ's just going to go to town on that one and never let us hear the end of it, I'm sure. His head is so big it cannot be shown on webcam. Yeah, I that's, mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why we had to have the avatar. It's just we couldn't handle the all the gloating from that there. Uh, TJ, well, I'm already what are you the my prophet. Yeah. I'm already the merc my prophet. Let's see how uh, much I can push my luck. And you wonder why I think he's going to go be insufferable <laughs> as soon as he finds out he's confirmed on all of this. <laughs> TJ, what are you expecting to see? Um, I think unlike last year's chapter announcements, they're probably going to show... Uh, A train? They're probably going to... Oh, that's me. Sorry. <laughs> I'll mute my mic for a bit. They're probably going to show a Q1 DLC as well, along with the Q2 chapter, because usually they would have teased it or uh, announced it by now. And yeah. um, it's getting... Uh, they'd usually announce it by now, so I'm expecting them to announce the um, Q1 and Q2 and possibly uh, give a early PTS date for Q1 as well because there's been uh, PTS maintenance recently. Yeah, the one thing I can um, definitely see is them talking, they might tease Q3 and Q4, especially if they're saying that the story is going to be throughout all of these stories, of all of these DLCs here. It's very possible they may give us some titles, but not give us any context behind them too. I think or maybe they'll just... Yeah, maybe they'll just say, like, you know, one's a dungeon and one's a story. And they might do the actual reveal of what they are at E3. Yeah, and that gives them more stories and, like, they can do a little bit more with that. Interesting. Anything else there, TJ? Um, I'm also pretty sure they're going to have a, a Lauren Schick section, like they did with Somerset. I think oh, he's right. a, a community favorite. Definitely. Everybody, everyone, everyone loves Schick. Everyone loves Schick. I love him. He's uh, he's exactly what I expect a lore master to be. Like, just uh, you see him, and you're like, "Yep, that's the image I had in my head of what the lore master for Elder Scrolls would look like." There, <laughs> uh, AKB. What are you expecting to see? I expect a lot of ESO fam stuff. I think that <laughs> I, that's not Whoa. a joke. I, I'm gonna guess that's going to be an honest focus of the show because they've played it up very heavily this year. I think they had that letter about how much they love their community and I see their ads all the time on the internet about it. Um, after that, I do think it will be a very standard announcement. I mean, I think their focus was just building up a stronger community this year. And yeah. I think it's going to pay off for them, but that's really it. It's just going to be an ultimately pretty standard announcement. Nothing too crazy besides Rich maybe getting a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have to balance that out then. Here's going to be the crazy things that are going to happen. A, Rich is coming in on a helicopter. And he's going to extend down from the ceiling to reveal that they have been pulling our leg the entire time and we're not going to elsewhere. Elsewhere is just going to be the Q1 chapter because they're going to do four chapters this year and they're just calling them all chapters. This is all that's going to happen. It's completely legitimate. Everyone, this is truth. Chapter one, elsewhere. Chapter two, Cyrodiil. Chapter three, The Reach. 
chapter four of Oblivion Realm of indiscriminate. We don't know the the colored rooms. That's what we're going with here. So when they do this, because actually I do think we might see some teases to the colored rooms going forward, but that's you can ask me about that later if you want to. Um, I would be interested though, in all seriousness, to know if they, they if some of the leaks that we did see were a bit of a throw off that they knew something would be leaked out or they knew something. So they're like, well, maybe we'll have a little bit of fun with this. I know I, I truly believe we'll probably get an elsewhere chapter, but I think it would be kind of awesome if elsewhere was just where the Q1 zone DLC was. And that's kind of like starts off our story. And then kind of it brings it back to the Cyrodiil zones for the rest of the story going after that, where we kind of go from elsewhere and we come back into Cyrodiil for the chapter itself. Again, I don't actually think this is what we're going to see, but this is just kind of what I think would be interesting because he talks so much about that. He talks about that three banners war and it'd be nice to kind of pull that back. It's like we go to elsewhere to find these, the wrath stone. And, but that was only the first part of it. We're going to actually use it to do all these other things. It kind of leads it into, they can maybe do some updates to the PVP element that the community has been asking for. It leads to some other things. So that's Pylon's wild prediction of what we're going to find out tomorrow. Other than rich coming in on a helicopter. That's, I think that's the case here. What about a dragon? <laughs> okay, a dragon, not a helicopter painted like a dragon. That's the season of the dragon. We've all, that's all it really has been. Is Rich's, the season of the dragon is Rich's helicopter budget. I'll take that. I'll add in like a 10% chance uh, guess that Meridia is a major villain of this new story arc. Yeah, I and think, I think oh, that's, definitely. And here's my reasoning solely based on the fact that that seems to have been the ending of Somerset. Them going like, by the way, you can't trust any of the princes, especially Meridia. Yeah, I 100%. I think I would give a much higher than a 10% chance on Meridia being featured in the new, in the season of the dragon. Major villain. Not major. just like, oh, yeah. he's bad. But oh, yeah. Like, he's yeah, a big no. bad. The, the surprise major villain. The nocturnal to our uh, Mafala there. Mm. One more thing um, I think we will see during this year is I would be extremely surprised if we didn't go to Nibbon. Uh, now, for those of you who remember, we, we've only seen parts of Cyrodiil. We've seen uh, the part Cyrodiil that's the PvP zone, and we've seen the Gold Coast. Yep. We haven't been to Breville or Leowin yet. Uh, Leowin, of course, is uh, on the border of... Ooh, hang on. Yes, it is on the border of elsewhere. And uh, indeed, sometimes the borders shift. Uh, I don't know if you remember in, uh, there was that uh, town, Oblivion, that, that was a Khajiit town that, that had been moved into into Leowin, into, into the Imperial. So that's a possibility. Um, that makes sense for a Q3 or Q4 zone. It does, very much so. No, I like that idea. Okay, so before we sign out with everybody, I'll go around and get everybody to kind of say where they can find them. Any final predictions anybody wants to throw around here that we're going to see tomorrow? Wild, tame, normal, what are you, th what are you saying? Uh, not really that exotic, but I think they're also going to show um, the, the racial, racial rebalances, passive rebalances that they've been uh, talking about for a while. Yeah, that actually is a big topic with the community of seeing what those are going to look like. It seems to be 
everyone's a little bit hesitant but excited at the same time so i'm excited to see what those are yeah i hope to see uh class changes as well because obviously they're bringing on more classes now you got the warden and the necromancer uh some people like sticking with the the first characters they create so it'll be nice to sort of give those players the opportunity to switch out try something different maybe go for the warden or necromancer this time yeah that's I'll give a 1% chance prediction like that main uh, the main story ESO will go completely free and everything else will oh. be subscription locked. Uh, the reason is they actually did that on the PS4. If you have a, what's it called? Uh, PlayStation Now? It's either PlayStation Now or PlayStation Plus. You can just play Plus. the Elder Scrolls on PlayStation Plus. Yeah. Uh, you can just play Elder Scrolls now online now for free. Interesting. And then they would just lock out DLCs and the chapters for additional purchase. That's that's my one percent chance. Guess it makes sense. Like, given how many people have bought it at what five dollars on Steam or nine dollars on Steam, it's at the point where it makes sense for it to be such a low like just remove that small barrier to entry get a lot of people in and then you still Apparently, have according uh sorry to cut you off according to chat it's the same thing for xbox if you have their game subscription service yeah. it's free there too yeah then i can see it and then it just removes that barrier to entry because a lot of the people once you try it they get hooked into it and that kind of the first hits free as they say so i can see and they still have eso plus as a Revenue source, DLCs, and the Crown Store and Crown Crate. So it wouldn't. I can't see that five dollars on Steam that it goes on sale for being a huge hit to revenue. So that makes sense to me. I'd also love to see it go back to a sole subscription service, but I know that's never going to happen. But that's just me. Okay. Well, I just not wanna... just no. Yes, I'm sure it's a large portion of us. Well, I think that about wraps us up tonight. I just want to go around and. Everybody, give everybody a chance to tell people where they can find them outside of the unofficial Elder Scrolls podcast. So, Alara, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on the USP Discord. I also have a Twitter I don't post on very frequently. It's um, <laughs> someone already took the name Alara, so it's underscore Alara underscore. Might change that at some point, but that's what it is right now. <laughs> and um, I guess that's really about it right now. Awesome. And Baratron? Oh, yeah. I, guess I also have my own Twitch uh, yeah, Twitch channel, but I haven't used it lately. I bet I've been meaning to get back into streaming more. So, Well, maybe we'll get you to come on here and stream a little bit more, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping to do, too. Just stream some gameplay of the Elder Scrolls games for the UASP. Awesome. Baratron, where can people find you? You can find me on our Discord. Uh, you can find me on our Twitter. If you see ESO content, it's almost always me doing that tweeting. <laughs> You can find me on the PCNA server and occasionally at the PCEU server as well as at Baratron. Yeah, so if you did, if you wanted to join uh, the guilds, either the uh, NA or the EU guild, I can invite you to those if you send me a message. And just to point out, it's at UESP underscore net for the Unofficial Elder Scrolls podcast Twitter account. It is a great source of memes and content that is also very lore-friendly there. So make sure to check it out, and you'll see a lot of Baratrons and somebody else's tweets on this. Uh, Cry Havoc, where can people find you? Yeah, the main places you can find me on are the UESP Discord, and also on Twitter, I'm CryHavoc98. 
Uh, I talk a bit of ESO, but I also talk a lot of other Bethesda games as well. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, uh, come, let's chat, follow me. Let's uh, see if we can get a conversation going. Awesome. And Thalmor Justiciar, where can we find you? Um, I'm mostly active on the USP Discord, but I also have a, uh, a Reddit account that is slightly misspelled. Um, <laughs> instead of Justiciar, it's Justicar. Oh, that's not confusing at all, because everybody already has challenges remembering how to pronounce it. <laughs> awesome. And AKB, how about you? You know, I'm around. It's true. <laughs> I never have to worry about you being too far away. I can find you posting stuff on all of the... I believe you control a lot of the UESP social media accounts. So if you want to check out any of them, you can see them up in the top corner up there. Uh, you can see a lot of the Discord and the Facebook and the Twitter account there. I believe we also have a Tumblr that you can follow. And I'm Pylon. You can find me on Twitter at Pylon, P-Y-L-A-W-N. Um, you can also find me on Twitch, streaming on Elder Scrolls Online content very frequently. I finally have rebuilt my gaming room, which means my computer has access again, so I can start streaming and I have an ISP that'll let me. So you'll probably see me on there or on the UESP page streaming quite frequently again in the future. And on behalf of everybody, I want to thank everybody for coming out to watch our inaugural episode of the Unofficial Elder Scrolls podcast. I think we all had a blast, and we are all thankful for you. Hopefully, everybody tunes in tomorrow or today, depending on what side of the pond you're at. Um, it is 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which equals what universal time? 10 p.m. 10 p.m. UTC. So we'll have to let people know what we're seeing. Make sure to follow all of our accounts to see, see how we're responding to everything and see if we were right in our predictions. So for tonight, thank you for coming out and we hope that you all have a great time and enjoy your adventures in NERN. That's all for now. Bye.